0: Welcome to the City View Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. When we make a decision, there it is, as a person, to choose to follow Jesus, we have more decisions after that on what we're going to do with our life. On who we're going to tie our life to. I'm going to need two volunteers this morning One of them needs to be a young person. So I have a young person. Okay, Jeremy, come on up here. Jeremy, you're going to be my Christian this morning, okay? Give it up for Jeremy. So Jeremy, you are my Christian. So I want you to just, this is going to be tied around you. You have a choice with your rope on what you're going to tie your life to who you're going to tie it to, who you're going to follow to. This is the choice that you have. You don't get to make the choice today because I'm going to help you make it because I'm going to help you know typically what we do with that choice. So now I need another volunteer. I need an adult male, Jason Blaha. Come on up here. Um, Give it up for Jason. So, Jeremy, the world is on their way to the stage right now. Jason, you're actually going to come up right here. Jason is going to symbolize the world this morning. The world can be big, bad, and scary. I mean, just look at that shirt. It looks big, bad, big, 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 and scary. You see, the world also has a rope. And the world, with everything it has, it wants to tie its rope to yours. You have to make a decision on what you're going to tie your rope to. Now, no matter what, you, you, we can make this decision and go, you know what, but I can, I can be strong enough. I can still be in the world but not do everything the world wants me to do. I can still make good choices, but I can still, like, do my thing, and I'm going to still play in the world and do stuff. And so, Jeremy, you can try to pull Jason up on stage. Go ahead. You try. Pull him up on stage. Jason, now you try to pull Jeremy off the stage. Go ahead. He's tough. I know his dad, so uh, you can keep pulling him. Go ahead, Jeremy. Jeremy, don't move. Jeremy, no, you don't have to go with him. Jeremy, you don't have to go. Now, here's the thing. Go ahead and stop. No matter how hard we try, when we tie ourselves to the things of the world, the world will always pull us down. Jason's not trying that hard. You all understand that. Jason is significantly bigger than Jeremy. Nothing against you, Jeremy. How old are you, Jeremy? Um, Nine and a half. I don't know how many of you heard the prayers of the young people this morning. You want to know why we do family services? Because the best way for them to learn what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ is to be around you. Jeremy, your prayers... Your prayer for your papa this morning? Man, I believe God's going to do something. But here's the reality. When you tie yourself to the world, the world's going to pull you. But we have a heavenly father who's so faithful. If I could have my heavenly father come on up here this morning. See, our heavenly father has the ability to untie our rope. If you could untie his rope there, heavenly father here. See, he wants to untie us from the world. I didn't tie it too hard. There you go. He wants to untie us from the world, and then he wants to guide us where we need to go. He doesn't guide us by pulling the rope. He guides us by putting his arm around us and helping us know where to go. But here's the reality, guys. Every day you make choices on who you're going to tie your rope to. You can tie your rope to the things of the world or you can tie your rope to the things of the Lord. Our Heavenly Father is so faithful. He keeps his promises. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And he wants to help us walk through life. As Paul is getting to this next section of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul is wanting us to understand the importance of grace and the great love of our Heavenly Father. You guys can drop your ropes. Jeremy, I've got a gift for you. Here you go. It's a $5 gift card to QT. Get whatever you want there. Give it up. And, and for all the kids in here, after service, come up and grab me, and I've got um, blow pops for you. So after service. So you have to make a choice. Because we're all tied to something. Choose wisely. Lord, God, it, it, we just we get so tied up in so many things in life. But, God, you are so faithful to set us free and to guide us in life. So, so Heavenly Father, I ask that you would, would minister to us, that you'd speak to our hearts. God, I thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives. And, Lord, I ask that you would, um, Lord, that your word would come alive to us this morning, that it would be fresh and new. And, Lord, that you would help us see you in a new way, how loving of a father you are. God, I pray that you wouldn't just do it here at City View, but you would do it across our valley we are we live in, in a, a, a city that desperately needs you and to realize that you are a savior. So Lord, whether people are going to Apollo Baptist, Relentless, Hillside, Harvest, here at City View, Lord, God speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a Bible, please turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. As you're turning there, I, I'm going to introduce myself. I realize we've got a lot of other people here, or a lot of people are newer. Maybe you're here for the baby dedication. One, I want to say, welcome. My name is Jeremiah. I'm the lead pastor here at City View. I just want to thank you so much for joining us. If you have a home church, I'm glad you do. If you don't, we'd love to welcome you. Um, you are welcome here. We are—I think we're nice. If we're not, just tell me who they are, and I'll make sure they become nice. Um, just kidding. Um, but, I, you know, I hope you feel welcomed. I hope the Lord speaks to you because I fully believe that, that God has a plan for your life. Last week, I encourage you, if you are don't have a place where you're reading God's Word, I encourage you to read Isaiah chapter 55. Did anybody do that this week? Okay. Anybody have, I know this is, I've never done this ever, but anybody have like one statement you want to say, you know what, I saw this in Isaiah 55 this week that encouraged me. Who, anybody have like one statement you want to say? Shout it out! Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Yes. Awesome. Anybody else? One one statement that you got? His word will never return void. Anybody else? There's a couple other people. Feel free okay, you don't want to. It's no problem. Um, but I, I hope, you know, the, the reason I encourage everybody to read Isaiah 55 last week is it encouraged me. And I believe that God's word never comes back void. Sometimes we don't know where to start in the Bible. Maybe we're newer to our walk with Jesus. And so we just open it and we're like, do I start in Genesis like a normal book? Start at page, page one. Um, you can. Um, and I encourage people to read Isaiah 55 last week. So we're in Second Corinthians chapter 6. Um, we've been going through Corinthians now for a, a little over a month. Um, and Paul, last week, as we were in chapter 5, Paul shared with the, in church, with the church he's writing to and to us how amazing God's grace is. And how, ama- how, how God set us free from our past and how he's given us new life. Young people in here, um, there are, I'm going, at the end of the sermon, I'm going to give you four promises of God. You write those down. I think I have coupons for you for City Kids. So there's going to be four promises of God that you need to listen to. You write them down. You come up. Four promises of God. That's going to be at the end. So you've got to pay attention the whole time because you miss one. You missed out. Verse 1, Paul says this. I'm reading out of the New Living this morning. Paul says, As God's partners, or as we work together, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness, God's grace, and then ignore it. For God says, At just the right time I heard you on the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now, and today is the day of salvation. So Paul, he says, we work together. It's this idea of being tied together, working together with God. That's this idea. So he says, I am working together. I am tied to the Lord. I am working with the Lord. And he says, now, just as you have, he says, says, we beg you, I plead with you, not to accept the marvelous gift of God's kindness, not to accept the marvelous gift of God's grace, and then ignore it. He's referring to what he had just said in verse 21 of the previous chapter, where he said in, in, in chapter five, verse 21, Jesus, he made him who knew no sin, God made his son who knew no sin, Jesus, to take our sin, to put it on, that we might become the righteousness of God. That's grace, And Paul says, don't receive that and be like, I'm so glad God forgave me and then tie yourself to the world. Don't receive it and then ignore it. And so many times that's what we do. God's grace, as Paul said earlier in, the, in previous chapters, this grace of God that we receive life and love and forgiveness, that, that we don't deserve God's grace. And this church in Corinth, in this region that Paul is writing this letter, letter to, had accepted grace and then chose to tie their lives to other things. And Paul, as he's writing here in in verses one and two and working together or partnering with God, he says, I urge you, I beg you to not accept grace, this marvelous gift of God's kindness, and then ignore it. He says, because it's urgent to live for him now. He says, for God says, at just the right time, At just the right time, I heard you. And on the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, Paul says, today is that day. Today is the day of salvation. And I realize that some of you, you came to church today because somebody said, hey, please come because it's baby dedication. I want you to see that. I want you to know this, that there is a God in heaven that loves you greatly. He loves you so much that he desires to untie you from the sin of this world that tears you down. That that leads to um, a lifestyle that you so wish you could be set free from depression, anxiety, um, shame, and guilt, and just that that I, I'm all I just you feel like you're never enough. God sent Jesus because you aren't enough. The world will continually try to tell you, you need to do this better. You need to do this. The world will always pull you down. It never pulls you up. The world will tell you, this is how you ought to live. This is what you should do, but it gives you no tools on how to do it. All it does is once you fail, it points at you and says, look at how much of a failure you are. It's what the world loves to do. I'm sure we all have experienced that in some way. But God's great grace says, as it says in verse 21 of chapter 5, God made his son who never sinned, never made a mistake, to take your shame, your guilt, your I'm never going to be enough. He took that and he gave you his perfect love and grace. And Paul says, today, God is saying to you, come. Today, God is saying to you, you can receive forgiveness now. Paul says, today, right now, is the day God's calling to you, and he's saying, today is your day. Because you don't know what tomorrow holds. You never know what happens tomorrow. And so because I fully believe God's word and I trust every word of it, I wouldn't be a good shepherd or a good pastor if I didn't give you an opportunity to make a choice to follow Jesus with your life. Because some of you came in today, I don't know why somebody bribed you to go out to lunch or you're here because we don't have city kids and you're sitting with your parents or you're here because a baby dedication there's lots of reasons but i want to give you a choice because as paul says there i heard you because i know we've all cried out to god we may not have cried out to him. You, you, we, at some point in every person's life, whether they believe in God or not, they've cried, they've prayed to God. Because if you ever talked to yourself and asked somebody for help, I need help right now. Anybody ever done that? But you didn't actually say, hey, dear Jesus, I need help. You just sort of cried out to the voice of the skies. God says, I heard you today. And I'm here to meet you now. Let's bow our heads and let's let's pray real quick. If you if you right now are going, you know what I I need to be set free of my guilt and shame. I need to be set free of the 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 pull of the world saying you need to do this, you need to do this. I I, I want to receive the gift and love of God. Nobody is too far. Nobody's done anything too bad to not be able to receive the love of God. This guy writing this letter to this church, he was a murderer of Christians. You couldn't get much much worse than that. He hated God and hated Jesus. But God saved his life. So if you're sitting there going, "I, I need that life change. God does amazing things in our life. Not only does he make our life better, but he makes you better at life. And if I had all the time in the world, I could have people come up on the stage and share with you how God has made them, not only made their life better, but how he's made them better at life, because we have stories in this room of God doing that. So if you want to make a decision to follow Jesus today, I ask that you just pray this prayer. You can pray it out loud. You can pray it quietly to yourself, however you want to do it. Just say, God, please forgive me and set me free. I believe that your son Jesus died for me. And I want to receive your love today. Please take away my sin, my guilt, and my shame. And I want to receive your love and goodness today. And I believe in your son, Jesus, that he died for me and that he rose from the dead. Help me live for you now. If you would keep your eyes closed, your heads bowed. If you prayed with me this morning, I have, a, I have a gift for you. It's a bag with a Bible and some resources in it. If you prayed with me, I have some te- my team members that would love to bring you that bag. If you prayed, would you please raise your hand so we can get that to you this morning. Just keep your hand up. I see you. Over here. I see you. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Praise the Lord. God, I thank you so much for what you've done in the lives of, of people in this room. And God, as we continue to dive into your word today, God, I ask that you'd speak to us. Help us untie ourselves from the world and tie ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. We got one more right here, Joshua. Two more. Give it up. Okay. So... For those of us who are new believers, new followers of Jesus, and for those of us who are old followers of Jesus, we all have a choice on what we're going to do with our life. Paul, because he so desired to live a life for God, because he so desired to, to tie himself to the Lord, troubles came with it. And so he's going to lay out for us in the next few verses these troubles that came alongside this, this life. This is how it affected Paul. He goes, I love people. I want to see everybody come to the Lord. He goes, but I live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us and no one will find fault with our ministry. So Paul wanted to live and be an example. He didn't want to cause anybody to stumble. I remember I, we had a, so I, I was a youth pastor for 16 years and I had a youth leader who um, decided to go on a vacation. He went on vacation, which is totally fine. And he um, went away on this vacation, and he uh, was drinking alcohol. Which, that's, you know, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. You can just don't get drunk. But, I mean, you, you, I'm not going to say either here nor there. But this is what he was doing. And then we're in Rocky Point. No, he was not. This is a different trip. He was in, like, this exclusive resort in California. Up behind him walks up one of his students, youth students who had been struggling with alcohol. That girl made decisions that were not good because she saw a youth leader who was living a life that she thought, oh, I didn't know. Now, is that his fault for doing that? Paul says, I want to live in such a way that nobody would stumble with how I live. So Paul made choices to not tie himself to the world. He says, in everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities and every kind. Paul here, he's going to go through a list of how hard it is to be a pastor. That's a Paul. Paul's going to go through this list of like, look at what I've gone through to be a a leader for the church. So he goes through this list of calamities. He says, "We, I have been beaten. I have been beaten. I have been in prison. Faced angry mobs. Worked to exhaustion. Endured sleepless nights. Gone without food. um, We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. We faithfully preach the truth." God's power is working in us we use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense we serve God whether people honor us or despise us whether he slanders us or praises us we are honest but we call ourselves but they call us imposters this happens in life when you are choosing to live your life for the Lord there will be people who attack you because you choose to do the right thing you will be blessed. I just heard a story today of somebody who is, their name was sort of being slandered. That Paul's like, this is the reality of our Christian life. You, this will happen at times. And so Paul is, he, he continues, he goes, um, we are ignored even though we are well known. We live close to death, but we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we, are all, we always have joy. We are poor, but we, give, we um, give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, yet we have everything. Oh, dear Corinthian friends, I have, we have spoken honestly with you. He's making this plea with them. He wants them to understand he gets that choosing to live a life for the Lord is not easy. He's like, I'm begging you. He said earlier, he says, I've chosen, I've partnered with the Lord. He says, now you, because you've received grace, don't ignore it. He says, today is the day of salvation. That's why I'm going to live. That's why I'm going to push through all these heartaches. That's why I'm going to do verses 13 through 14 or or 3 through 13. I'm going to go through beatings and people bashing my name like, it's, it's all about that person. It might be their day. So I'm, I'm choosing to live this life. I'm choosing to tie my life to God, to partner with God and not the world. He says, oh, dear Corinthians friends, we have spoken honestly with you and our hearts are open. There is no lack of love on our part, but you have withheld your love for us. I am asking you to respond as if you were my own children. Open your hearts to us. He's pleading and he's begging with them because what they've done is they've chosen. We love Paul, we love salvation, but we wanna listen to these people who wanna tickle our ears. And we live in a culture right now where as Christians we'd rather have our ears tickled and not be told the hard things. Accept my way of life. Accept my choices. Accept that we we live in this, like accept if you don't accept me, you don't love me. Paul is making these very strong statements, like you've got to choose. He says, open your hearts. And then he challenges them. He says, if you fully believe in Jesus, if you trust him, if you have accepted and received his grace, Paul says, this is your call to live. Now, this comes from, this challenge doesn't come from, well, you just live for God because you should. It it comes from, Verse 21, God spent everything on you. Has anybody ever bought you an extravagant gift and you just felt like I should repay them in some way? Typically your boss is one of those people and so when they choose to pay you every week, you choose to work hard for them. Like that's usually the payoff, right? And so these Christians, not that they're trying to pay God back, but out of the overflow of realizing he made, he made Jesus who knew no sin to take my sin. I don't know how many of you have thought about your sin lately, but I get reminded of mine quite often. And sometimes I hate it. Actually, I hate it all the time. Because I'm not uh, all I'm. I I'm, I can be not a nice person. I can be not a great dad. I can be mean. I can say mean things to my wife, to my staff. I could, I could be grumpy. I could not, I'm not the most like. I don't hand out compliments very well. Some people are great. Jared, Jared my friend, is great at that. He's like, "Man, you could," and I'm like, "Do your job." Do your job. That's what you're supposed to do. This is you should do your job. Do it right and that's good. I'm not going to applaud you for that. Like that's what you're, I I know that's wrong. I should be an encourager. I should be like, "Good job. You did your job today." I, I But I realized that that's not I'm that's I'm I could be that way with my wife. And she's like, "Honey, sometimes you just be encouraging." I just don't think about it. I'm not perfect and the devil loves to remind me of that but God made him who knew no sin to take my sin and he gave me his rightness being right before God that I might be able to be in the presence of God and so Paul says because of this verse 14 says don't team up don't partner with don't work together with. So the idea is a yoke, which I could not find a yoke, a yoke like an oxen yoke where you have two people tied together, okay? So it's like Jeremy, okay? Jeremy is my, you know, come on up here, Jeremy. I'm gonna have you come up here. And have your dad come up here too. Give it up for father, son. Okay? Okay? The idea of a yoke is you want to have two pe- two beings, oxen that are the same size. You might have a younger one that's similar to the same size that the older one is teaching pace, but it's not to have an oxen. I'm not saying you're a donkey, but you're going to be a donkey today. In Deuteronomy it says, "Do not yoke together an oxen and a donkey." So Paul, as he's saying, do not team up with those who are unbelievers. Do not team up with, it's this idea of being teamed up in the wrong thing. But this is what we do so many times. Is we we want to entertain the world. And we're going to look into how do we live in the world but not be of it in just a second. But God says you need to team up with somebody that's more your size. Because the two of you can work better together. Jeremy, thank you again. I don't have another gift card for you. (laughs) But you can have a sucker if you want. So he says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be partnered with an unbeliever? And what union... Can there be between God's temple and idols? God, Paul uses this word together or partner two different ways. The first way in verse 1, it's a partner, it's, a, it's work together, it's the idea of working in harmony. He says, I work together in harmony with the Lord. I want to follow God where he's going. Here in verse 14, it's this idea of working together but working apart. It's not going in the same direction. It's having your own ideas, your own thoughts. And he says, don't partner with the world. It's this idea of you're doing, you both are partnering, but you both have your own way of how you're going to live. And so it's this division. It's not living in harmony. And so Paul is helping this church going, you've made a decision to follow God. You've made a decision to receive grace. You're partnering with the world. What does light have with dark or righteousness with wickedness or the temple of God with idols? And so Paul does this comparison of living in grace and living to ignore grace. I think there's going to be a slide right there. Living in grace, that's living in righteousness. That's not your own, it's Jesus's. Living in light, living for Christ, believing in Jesus, and living as the temple of God, that God is living in you. And then there's those of us who we say we love Jesus and we live for him, yet we live ignoring grace. We live, we live in wickedness where our choices are still towards the things of selfishness. We live in darkness, where that's what we're pursuing. We're allowing the world to pull us back into those dark places. We are living for the devil. We may not know it, but the choices we make are. We choose not to believe in Jesus. Since Some of us today, God was pulling on your heart, and you made a choice saying, no, I don't want that yet. Be honest. You made that choice 10 minutes ago. Some of you said, you know what? I don't want to live on this side anymore. I want to experience grace. And you're living for idols. Not like little statues that you worship, but idols that things that you make more important than anything else in life finances, your car, your job, success, your name. I don't know, we we all have idols. We all have things that we constantly have to make sure that it's not becoming more important. And so Paul is helping this church untie themselves from the world. Every day we make choices that live for and in grace, or we ignore grace, ignore God, and we ignore his love. It is so much more than ignore, it's choosing to live against This lifestyle comes from usually those who are around us. They're pulling us into the lifestyle. I don't hang out with people who cuss. I don't watch typically movies that cuss. Not that I'm a perfect person. I do watch movies. There's cussing in movies. But every time I get ready to watch a movie, you can ask any of the kids in my family, I always look it up first. What's in it? Because I don't want to put stuff in here. This is fragile. This is fragile, my mind, yours is too. You may think, no, I'm good, you, you, whatever, you wanna, however you want to lie to yourself, go for it. You can justify whatever you want, I'm not going to be your Holy Spirit. But I, now, I'll be honest, I do make justifications for my own life. I'm like, well, it's not that many cuss words. I'm not going to dive too much into my own sin. Um, I'll let you be convicted your own way. I'm not going to convict myself right now. But we make choices. Paul says you got to separate ourselves, untie ourselves from the world. And it's this wickedness that pulls us down. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody that afterwards you feel depressed, you feel negative, you feel angry, you feel stressed out? Have you ever been in that conversation? And it's like every time you hang out with that person, you don't tie the two together, but you realize... Why is it every time I'm with them, I'm never a nicer person. Anybody ever experienced that? I've, I have those people in my life. This week, I was hanging out with the pastor. Um, and as he and I are talking, cause I, so I hang out with a lot of pastors. Um, I do a lot of coaching and different stuff. I, I, love, I love it. But usually they're negative. Either the life is falling apart or the ministry is falling apart. It's always like I leave going, oh, my gosh, that was so tiring. But I hung out with this guy, and it was, like, energizing. It was like our hearts were tied together. It was like I left ready to conquer the world. I left ready to go and do the next thing. I left going, oh, man, your, I, this idea, like, it was just such an encouraging. And as he's talking... God then says, Jeremiah, this is what I'm talking about in 2 Corinthians. When you tie yourself to things of the world, they will pull you down. But when you tie yourself to things of me, he goes, they'll they'll lead you in that same way. They'll lead you to a life of grace. And so in that conversation, I was like, man, I I want to be energized. We were like-minded. But it's so easy to just hang out with our friends or our people that we're so used to being around, but in the end it's so negative. Have you ever heard of that saying, a rotten apple ruins, rotten, I have it. A rotten apple spoils the whole barrel. You heard that saying? Have you ever experienced that happening? When you buy your apples at Costco, how many of you check them? Because almost always, the first batch you grab, one apple is rotten. You grab that, you only have a matter of moments before the rest of them become disgusting. You're lucky if you make it home. <laughs> but Paul, he's he's wanting this church, he's wanting them to untie themselves. He says, you accepted the grace of God, yet you're tying yourself to the things of the world. He said, but what does righteousness have with wickedness? What does light have with dark? What does God have with the temple of idols? So how, how do we live in a world but not be tied to it? Paul says this in in Romans. Therefore I urge you brethren by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. So how do we live in the world and not be of the world? Well, Paul says first, he says, be present. Present yourselves to God. Put yourself in situations, relationships, and places where God is present. Church, serving, godly relationships, things like that. Now you're like, but I have a job. Yeah, you do have a job, and you have a choice in that job, whether you're going to engage in a conversation you shouldn't or whether you should walk away from it. You have that choice every conversation, whether you're going to go, you know what, I'm not in this. This is not what I want to be in. Or whether you're going to say, you know what, no, I'm, I'm going to be different. What, you have to make or I'm going to stay in this. You have to make that choice. So be present, be involved, serve, be active in church, be active in your community. How do we live in the world and not be of it? Be firm. He says, do not be conformed to this world. Be firm. Don't compromise. Listen to what God is saying to you and obey and follow him. Make those choices that aren't tying you to the world. How do we do it? God says, says, renew your mind. Be on guard. Your mind is a fragile place. Have a God filter. Remember those bracelets, what would Jesus do? Have that thought in life. How do we be in the world, not of the world? Be on mission." The will of God, as he says there. Keep your eyes on Jesus. As Paul finishes this chapter, he wants to help them realize and understand why it's so important to live in grace and not in the world and not ignoring it. And he finishes with four promises, four promises of God, of why it's so much more valuable to tie yourself to God. To your heavenly father, as I had Robert be today, to tie yourself to God. He says, For we are the temples, verse 16 of chapter 6, 2 Corinthians. For we are the temple of God, a temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in you, promise one. I will live in them and will walk among them. I will be their God, promise two. And they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them, from among unbelievers, and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things. And promise three, and I will welcome you. And I will be your father, promise four. And you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You are the temple of the living God. God is living in you. You take him everywhere you go. Paul says, come out. Don't associate. Associate. Live separate. He says, don't, don't tie yourself. God lives in you now. What does that mean? What does it mean for God to live in you? It's found in those, first, those four promises. The first promise is I said, I will live in you. God makes his home in your hearts. And in your lives. He dwells in you. He's changing how you how you live, how you think, your actions. He's helping you little by little become who God is calling you to be. He's helping you change, like, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to live this way anymore. I don't want to talk this way anymore. I want to be a better mom. I want to be a better dad. I want to be, I want to do better in school. He's he's changing those things. I want to change how I interact with my friends. God's changing those things in you as he lives in you. Ephesians 3.17 says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. John 14.23, we will come and make our God. Jesus says this, and we will come and we will make our home in you. Second promise, I will be your God. God loves to be called your God. I love when my kids are proud to say, that's my dad. There's just something special about being a dad. And knowing that your kids love, they love you. There's something special about it. I don't know what it is. I don't. It's just an honor. It's a, I don't know. It's just knowing my kids love me, knowing they're proud of me. God says, "I am your God." You could be proud that I'm your God. I love being called your God, even though you're a you're a hot mess sometimes. Even though you you make mistakes, even though you're not perfect, I don't mind still being called your God. Like I'm not there going like they're not mine. It says in Psalm 95, seven, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Jeremiah 24, seven, I will give them a heart to know me for I am the Lord and they will be my people and I will be their God. Third promise, I will welcome you. God is drawing us back to himself. He redeemed us, he reconciled us. He desires to be friends, I will welcome Have you ever been somewhere where you don't feel welcome like they really didn't want you there? Have you ever walked into a store where it's like you're interrupting them? Like they close at 10 and you show up at 9.50? Has anybody ever done that? Yeah, I've done that. I literally sped to get to a Dairy Queen before it closed after a football game. And they were nice. I felt welcomed. It just took nine hours to get my food. But I've also been in places where it's like they'd never wanted me there. I'm like, I'm your customer. Like, I pay your bills. God says, you're welcome. There's never a moment when I'm too busy. There's never a moment when I don't want you. You're welcome here. Nehemiah chapter one, verse nine, which is our like key verse of who we are as a church. God says this at the end. God says, as long as you follow me, God says, I will gather them to a place and will bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. God says, I desire to gather people. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The last promise is, I will be your father. We may not have had good fathers, but we have a heavenly father in in God the Father who loves us so much, who desires to walk with us and give us life. I wrote these things about a father. A father is a provider. A father is a protector. A father is a leader. A father is loving. And a father is there. And God says, and I will be your father. And he's such a good, good father who never leaves us nor forsakes us. He does not ignore us, he's not too busy for us. I have kids. I have three kids, three boys. And they all like different things. And there's been plenty of times in my life where they want to do something. And what I want to do is sit on my chair and watch mindless things like the Diamondbacks losing. God's never like that. It says in Psalm 103, 13, just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on us. Isaiah 64, 8, but now, O Lord, you are our father. I love James 1:17 and 18. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift from coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us and, and by giving us the true His true word. And we, I love this part. We out of all creation. God's made some amazing things. He's made hippopotamuses, cheetahs. I love that. Growing up as a kid, cheetahs were my favorite animal. I mean, they're rad, they're fast. He's made chameleons, which when people go to Hawaii, they always talk about how they see them at the lavender fields. I've yet to believe it because I didn't see them when I went. God's made beautiful sunsets and sunrises mountain landscapes beautiful valleys yet out of every created thing you are your father's favorite it says there and i love how it reads in the new living because it's it's just so powerful out of all creation you became his prize possession And Paul says, because of the great love of your Father, don't tie yourself to things of the world. Tie yourself to Him because He loves you so much. Lord, thank you for being a God who keeps your promises. Thank you for being a Father who loves and cares and has compassion for us. Thank you for being good. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you decide to follow Jesus while listening to this podcast today? We want to celebrate with you and help you with your next steps. Click the link in the podcast description to get connected with a pastor and your next step. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to click the follow button and tune in next week for another great message.